The very nature of anniversaries means that we look back with hindsight, take stock of all that has happened since a particular event. March 2023 marks 20 years since the Iraq War, which set Iraq and the region on a path with ramifications that continue to play out to this day. The story is still being told. And yet as politicians, analysts and journalists look at the anniversary of the war and the fall of Saddam Hussein's regime, an entire generation of Iraqis today have no recollection of the war or of living under Saddam Hussein's rule. A generation is technically 20 to 25 years. The generation of young Iraqi men and women today represent the present and the future rather than the past. They inherit the burden of that past and yet will shape the future. My name is Mina Al-Arabi, Editor-in-Chief of The National and an Iraqi. I'm joined today by four young Iraqis, Meyar Haytham Faleh, Ahmed Sarbaz, and Ahmed Azzawi, all students at the American University of Iraq, Sleimani. And here in the studio, Mina Al-Durubi, senior reporter for The National in Abu Dhabi. Every Iraqi's life has been affected by war in one way or the other, some much worse than others. Meyar, Ahmed, and Ahmed were born at the time of the 2003 war or were just young babies then. I was born in 1980, the time of the Iraq-Iran war. And Mina here was born in 1988 as the Iraq-Iran war ended. So each of us has had a different experience and yet somehow our lives, the lives of our families and just about everyone we know was shaped by politics and war one way or the other. Ahmed Azzawi, I want to start with you. You're studying IT and minoring in international studies at AUIS. How would you describe Iraq today? Actually, the life nowadays is much calmer than two or four years ago. But uh, overall, uh, it's difficult. The economy is still much confusing people nowadays. Overall, it's uh, we cannot say it's bad. It's better than uh, like last year or year before. But it's still so much confusing to know what will happen in the future. We still kind of don't have a vision, complete vision for our future. Mayar, I want to ask you, when you think about the future, how do you see it taking shape? Iraq will be a great country because we have a really good and a great generation full of passion and those of what it needs to be direct. Like, I can say Iraq's unstable right now because what's happened before we have the great generation full of passion inside of them to rebuild Iraq. And they are doing, to be honest. Uh, we can see there's a lot of youth, even teenagers, they are looking forward to rebuild Iraq. So I can see a really great future for Iraq. And Mayar, you're majoring in international studies and minoring in law and business. That's right, yeah. Why did you choose that major? Well, I can see myself in this major more and I want to do something too for Iraq. I want to rebuild it. I want to do like support youth. Um, my brother, they are older than me. So I can see the struggles they are facing it after graduation. So I'm looking for support youth to rebuild Iraq. I have that like, I want to do something for Iraq. I want to support this community, this society. And Ahmed Sarbaz, um, 
I want to ask you, tell us a little about, about yourself and also how do you see the future? I used to be a medical student. I used to study abroad, but uh, I thought that this is not going to be something that I'm really passionate in. So I came to Suli to study politics, international studies. I'm actually Kurdish. My father is Kurdish and my mother is Arab. And I was born in Baghdad and we lived there for like a year or two. And I do not really remember like, these two years, but I've lived here almost most of my life, yeah. It's interesting that you mention um, that your father is Kurdish and your mother is Arab, and I think most people who don't know Iraq well would think that's an exception, where actually quite often you've had Iraqis intermarrying between different communities, despite the politics, um, and almost in spite of the politics, continue to intermarry uh, live next to each other, have friends from different communities, um, which is the norm. But unfortunately, that's not the framing that uh, often is placed in politics or quite often in the media also. Mina, I want to bring you into the conversation. So how would you describe Iraq today, 20 years on from the war, but also how can you see the future panning out? Mina, um, you mentioned I was born in 1988, so my parents at the time had so much hope because it was coming to the end of the Iran-Iraq war, and there was hope for a change, hope for, you know, a new chapter for Iraqis, and many Iraqis abroad from Europe were coming back, and unfortunately the Kuwait invasion happened, and there was a, I think the ideology at the time where everybody just wanted to get out, they wanted to start fresh somewhere new, so Speaking to uh, to the to the students in in Sili Uni, it's so refreshing to see that the young this young generation want to do more. So, I mean, from what I've seen, our reporting, our daily reporting, there are the young generation now want to create a change, and they want to have the chance to to be able to to change the system, to change um, to to create opportunities for the youth to to have a job opportunity. So I really hope when I look at the future of Iraq, I really hope that uh, students such as Mayar and Ahmed Sarbaz and Ahmed Azawi have the opportunity to really do well for Iraq and to really give back and and to create changes not just for them but for the next generation that comes after them. Ahmed Azawi, when we talk about a twenty year anniversary of the 2003 war. Does it matter? Does your generation even care about that? Really, it's depend on who you are speaking about. But in general, no. Like, people in our age don't matter that much about the war. Actually, they start to matter about something else, which is the new things, the new political things, the, the way that we live nowadays. And they see it like it's something that has finished and now we don't have to go back to it and dig deep in it without uh, any purpose from that. And we speak about people that uh, who don't have interest in politics and this stuff, they will not like speak about it in normal conversation. You're absolutely right because history does frame where we are now. But at the same time, you're also right for people who are not interested in politics, what matters to them is their day-to-day -day life, be it the economy, be it jobs, be it uh, security, safety. So I want to ask you, when you think about 20 years from now, I'm going to start with you, Mina. When you think about 20 years from now, how do you want to see Iraq? Mina, tough question, but also it's the easy one to answer, but I think 
putting it in practice would be much tougher. Um, right now, I worry for the young generation. As Ahmed Azawi said, the the future, the vision for Iraq is is uncertain right now, especially for, for those that were born after 2000. And in my generation, when we left Iraq in 1991, our vision was to how can we build ourselves abroad? How can we make a name for ourselves outside of the country? But yeah, when I look at the students in Sulaymaniyah, they are in Iraq at the moment, and some of them want to create change, but yet they don't have the opportunity to do so. So looking at it 20 years from now, I hope that there is going to be some kind of um, a political system where that sort of like has the voice of the public, that listens to the public, that ensures that it gives the public the public services they want, the employment opportunities they want to build the economy that Iraq deserves and for the people that live there. So I hope, you know, starting from the grassroots up, let's say, this is the most important thing for me. And I think once you start thinking about the public and actually listening to their needs, because we've seen protests coming about for the last three years. So I think once the governments and and those in, in state institutions listen to the voices on the ground, that's when things will start to, to really move forward. And then students like Ahmed, Ahmed and Mayar can have the opportunity that they, they've been looking for. Ahmed, can the protest movement or reformers take the country forward? We have to agree to the fact that there are so many different interests and many different ideas that are being propagated to the public. Uh, if we're talking about 44 million people in Iraq, it's going to be, we're talking about a large number of population. And each one of these people are being influenced by a different type of what political party. In the face of the difficulties raised by the political conundrum in Iraq today, despite the promises of democracy and elections easing all issues, some young Iraqis look to leaving their country altogether. Ahmed Azawi, if you could leave Iraq after graduating, would you? No. Why? Because I have something I believe in, that if we all uh, say we will leave Iraq, no one will change anything. That's one Second things, I tried to leave before. I traveled to Egypt to like to study there one year. And after this one year, I convinced that we can make uh, like a change because the change is not that hard. It just needs someone believe on it. And unfortunately, we don't have that much of people believe on this thing. People in our age don't believe that anything will change in the next 10 or 15 years. That's the reality. And yet, Meyar, you said you'd like to bring about change. Uh, So tell us how you think that change can come about. Change can be started with providing some social securities, giving opportunities, fixing like some side of, I can say, corruption, because we need to fix a lot of sides from the economic, social, um, financial parts. We can start with the youth, provide for them opportunities. I can say most of students, as Ahmed said, I've heard about it as well. Like most of my friends, they are thinking to travel after graduation. They want to. They don't want to stay in Iraq because they thought there's no future here. There's no opportunities. There's no way to build their life. So. By providing opportunities, trying to provide some differences with from the side of economic, social life, um, from the side of education as well, 
we can pursue people to stay in Iraq to rebuild it with us because after graduation we, we need some opportunities for us to show what we've learned what we should what we can do but we have a lot of people they have the ability to to rebuild Iraq so Mina we heard Mayar and Ahmed Azawi saying that their friends, the people they know, if they could leave Iraq, they would, because they see that they can get better opportunities there. You and I are both outside of Iraq, despite our love for the country. Uh, what's your thinking about that? I, I feel guilty, Mina. Um, actually, my, my dad's aunt, who lives in Baghdad right now, she always calls me and says, come back. Come back and work here, you know, help us rebuild the country. And I I would want to come in a second. And I wish I can if I have the opportunity to do so. Because I think, you know, we have so many talented uh, expat Iraqis that are, are doing great in so many sectors. Um, and I think, oh my God, if we had the opportunity to be in our country, how... And I think about the potential that Iraq could be because uh, because of those people that are living outside. I think it would be the, the country would be flourishing. So that's why I feel guilty. Um, I wish I can go back and start creating change and help students like Ahmed, Ahmed and Mayar to, to really become the best that they can be. I think it's incredible how many Iraqis inside the country, outside of the country, see that potential, know what the country can be, but also some of the great things that have happened despite all that's gone on, be it politics or corruption or sanctions or dictatorship or intimidation. And in a way, it's a testament to how incredible Iraqis are as a people. And that's also part of the legacy. I think often when we look at the legacy of what's happened in Iraq, we look at the negatives. It's also part of the legacy of, again, our parents, our grandparents, but others who have worked to try to instill some good in the country and also, I think, in the region. So I want to ask um, Ahmed Sarbaz, what gives you hope in Iraq? That's a very tricky question because it's a more skeptical and a more optimistic. Uh, it's a mix of both because we have to talk about there are a lot of factors behind what's happening. My skeptical point of view is Education rate, literacy rate, and uh, all these things, they are still yet to rise. I think that our first priority is to educate a lot of people about everything. I, I don't think that there are a lot of people who like reading books. They, the thing is that the, the culture of working, the, there are a lot of young people who are working. Instead of going to school, they leave their, like, their education to go support their families and uh, they're missing out on their education. This is why this is my skeptical point of view. My optimistic point of view is that since social media has become a very big thing, I think that more people are being more open. They're being more exposed to globalization. They're more exposed to the Western ideologies. They're more exposed to a free society, free speech and human rights and everything. So I think that this can lead to more and more good things for the country if it's practiced in a good way instead of a negative way. Mayar, what gives you hope in Iraq? Uh, the people themselves, actually. I can see that people, they are not accepting the way the Iraq is going on. They want to 
really build a great future. They show how they love Iraq. I can see from you guys, first of all, like how you're feeling guilty. You want to get back to Iraq. So that gives me hope that people there really want to work to rebuild Iraq. Ahmed Azawi, what gives you hope in Iraq? What's given me hope? It's the October protest. Because when we see people in October, all different type of people goes to the same place, like saying the same thing, want to change. But the mistake was they like there is no one can lead them because like all people that went out in October, they don't trust anyone say anything. Uh, we can see that all over Iraq. All people don't trust anyone speak about politics, even if it's a very, very good one. People will not trust it because they will say that you have agendas, you are a certain uh, from that side or that side. So what's like in future, I hope like we have another October with a different, uh, with a good intentions and with a good time, actually. Someday the change will come, yes. I absolutely agree with you. Someday the change absolutely must happen. And if we think about it in some ways, we're quite far from where we were five years ago, seven years ago. As you said, uh, Ahmed Azawi, the situation, the, the, the security situation got to it at its worst. And inshallah, we've moved past from that. There is that hope that change will inevitably happen. So in 20 years time, I think... I still believe we can get there. It's just taking us much longer and with too many detours. Mina, where do you see yourself in 20 years' time? Wow, Mina, it's a tough question to ask an Iraqi. <laughs> but I really hope that I can go back home uh, with my family, uh, with my loved ones, and and see a prosperous country uh, with, a, with a functioning government that actually responds to the people's needs and seeing a secure, stable uh, Iraq in many, many sectors and seeing young people like Ahmed, Mayar and Ahmed having the opportunities that they've been yearning for for years and working in the sectors that they truly believe in. So, Ahmed Sarbaz, where do you see yourself in 20 years' time? In 20 years, I'm 22 now. So by f by the time I'm 42, uh, I hope I could be a university lecturer or something. That's great. I, I hope that you will be teaching your ideas and thoughts to young Iraqis to come at, at one of the universities there. Uh, Mayar, where do you see yourself in 20 years' time? I can see myself maybe an ambassador, prime minister, that I can represent Iraq. You don't know. Well, if we get lucky, we'll hopefully have you as our prime minister in 20 years. <laughs> Inshallah. Ahmed Azawi, where do you see yourself in 20 years? In 20 years, I see myself the high minister of education because I believe that a change, if we want to change, we should change from inside. We cannot change from outside, just saying things, writing books or posting things on social media. Those things are changing. But if we want the real change, we should change from inside. So I hope I can be in some position that give me the opportunity to change something to my country. Well, I'm looking forward to Iraq in 20 years, if we can have Mayar as our prime minister 
and Ahmed Azawi as our Minister of Higher Education. And then he will take care of Ahmed Sarbaz as the university lecturer educating the next generations. I have to say, despite everything that's happened in Iraq, the fact that we can have a conversation about political change, about political aspirations, was something that, frankly, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, would be very difficult to have. So hopefully that in itself is a representation of the hope we can have in the country. Uh, Mina, what gives you hope in Iraq? I think it's speaking to young people and, and seeing their their aspiration for change. I think that's what really gives me hope. As Ahmed Azawi said, the protests, I think the 2019 protests were incredible. The The change that they brought about, the voices that were out. Social media has played a, a key role in, in, in putting pressure on politicians and putting pressure on governments to really move and try to, okay, accept that this is the situation. We really need to do something now. Things are really, really critical. So um, voices from the ground, social media, I think we have to keep uh, united in, in, in this and have a strong voice from the ground up. And I really think this is the, the way forward. So having this conversation with all of you gives me hope. And whenever I go back to Iraq and I meet young people, as you said, Mina, they give me the most hope. But also the fact that despite everything that's happened in the country, it's still such an incredible country with its people, with its history, its future, um, but also the incredible riches that we have. And when I talk about riches, I don't talk about oil, which is most people think about, but the riches in terms of the, the history, the legacy, the future, the agriculture we have, the soil we have, the rivers we have, um, the beauty that the country holds, all of that gives me hope. But most of all, it's young people like you, Mayar, Ahmad, Ahmad, and Mina. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. I wish you all the best. And inshallah, we don't mark anniversaries of wars, rather anniversaries of accomplishments for the country. This episode closes our four-part series, Iraq War, 20 Years On. Thank you for listening. This episode is one of a four-part series mapping the Iraq War of 2003. Please listen to all four episodes on thenationalnews.com and major podcast providers.